Hello, Charlie Gladstone here and welcome to episode three of Outdoor Voices on my Some Good Mavericks podcast. Some Good Ideas is a website of ours dedicated to many things, but ideas about nature, culture, the human condition, a little bit of politics, craft, food, all of those sort of things. The website is actually designed as a kind of conduit to support a lot of things that might perhaps exist on the Good Life Experience website or the Glendie Cabins and Costures website or indeed our Harden Estate Experience website but actually are probably best put together in another place and deep at the root of all of these businesses and indeed um, at the root of some good ideas is the outdoors and nature. These are things that have been profoundly important to me and to Caroline and we have worked very very hard to try to bring people into the outdoors from our children. Uh, we brought them up in a very remote part of Scotland where we moved to a pretty much derelict house in 1989 and spent a decade or even longer renovating that while the children were young. But being outdoors has, has always been super close to us and, and if I think you speak to any of our children they will talk about time outdoors as being of the essence of their childhood. And for a long time, I've been considering how I might do a podcast with people who work outdoors. And I decided towards the end of lockdown, I assume towards the end, it is still, we are still officially locked down, that a good way of doing it would simply be to ask people to answer a number of questions, quite open-ended questions, quite loose questions, and send the answers in to me about what they do outdoors, how they got to the position of working outdoors. So I decided to ask them to answer a number of questions, quite loose, open-ended questions about what it is that they do outdoors and why they do it and what it is that they enjoy about that. And I've decided that I quite like this kind of non-conversational way of recording. I mean, it's been forced on me because I didn't really want to do any of these interviews by Skype for various complicated personal reasons. But I also think that people just sitting by themselves and talking into their phone may throw up a slightly more personal and reflective style of answering questions. So you'll be the judge of that. Um, let's move back to some of my interviewees. I think that you can, as I said in episode one, love the city and the countryside. But ultimately, given the choice, you will probably migrate back to the one that you love best. I mean, I am very much a sort of metropolitan person. I love London, New York, Tokyo, Edinburgh. I, I, lo I love all these sort of places. But, but ultimately, if I had to make a choice, I would be a country person. And this lockdown has made me really understand that and to question why I don't just live in the countryside all the time. A lot of my interests are things that are lived out in cities. I mean, music and, and popular culture and media and art. And so to an extent, I think I will always gravitate to cities, but actually it's the countryside that I think is really in my heart. And I wanted to ask people what it was that led them to the countryside, but I also wanted to find out what their relationship with the city was as well. Now, you may remember from episode one, Mari Hughes, who is a warden on Inisenli, which is otherwise known as Bardsey Island, which is a very remote, relatively speaking, island about two miles off the Welsh coast. And so here is Mari Hughes talking about her 
experience of cities. I have lived in a few cities. I studied in Cardiff for three years and I've lived in Edinburgh and in Tokyo. Tokyo was definitely the biggest city I've lived in and I did find myself there getting out of the city as much as possible and exploring the green areas around Tokyo um, because by that point in my life I had just spent three years in Cardiff, a year in Edinburgh and then went to Tokyo and I really was missing um, greenery and just being that feeling of being out you know of, of a built-up area so yes, I did. When I lived in Tokyo, I spent most weekends going out of the city. Um, and when I returned to Wales after being in Japan, I decided to hike the hundred highest peaks in the country um, within the year. Um, I think that urge to hike came from you know four or five years of living in cities. And I was just craving um, that openness and that feeling of just being in the middle of nowhere with no one around, just yourself, your thoughts and the world. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad that I lived in cities when I was younger, in my early 20s. And after now, especially after living on Inlli on the island, I think it would be a huge struggle to ever live in a city again. But saying that, I do love to travel and I do love being, visiting cities, but living, that's a different matter, I think. And next up, you may remember Jamie Corrie, the wild bushcraft expert. This is him talking about his relationship with cities and that's quite an ambiguous relationship for Jamie. I have lived in a city. I've lived in Glasgow not more than a year and in London for not more than a year. I love the city. I don't think I'm built for it. I think I'm more built for Glasgow than London. Um, I like talking to people. I like finding out about people. And yeah, in London, mind you, that's not true. I was going to say in London, people don't want to talk to you but if you start talking to people in london they generally will talk back to you and you can have really interesting fun conversations you don't have to look for those conversations in glasgow they will just find you it's a fun city as it as is london um, when we visit london a lot with the kids now because we've got a lot of friends there and it's, it's good for them not to become too country bumpkinish um yeah it's not my home though and i think i am slightly becoming more Hermity, but that's that's all good. Next, I'm going to return to Natasha Lloyd. Um, Natasha, as you may remember, is a forager and herbalist who we work with at Glendie Cabins and Cottages and who is also the official forager and herbalist to the amazing hotel, the Fife Arms, which is owned by the gallerists, Hauser and Worth and is about an hour or so from us at Glendye. So here is Natasha talking about reflection. I want to talk about that poem again. That poem really widened my thinking of nature. I'd had small holdings and I was on a croft on Lewis at the time and my 
neighbor had explained to me, amazing man, John M. McLeod, and he explained to me that um, humans need three things. Um, he really felt that the whole work, rest and play had been changed. It should be work, play and reflection. And um, I'd really not really thought much about reflection at that point. And uh, Croft had a hill on it overlooking Loch Eresort. And John M. told me, you must spend more time reflecting on what you're doing and allow creativity to be part of your world. I really took this on board. Um, I took a lot of what John M. said to me on board, actually. He was a very wise man, an ex-headmaster um, of a school. And um, ended up with me sitting on the hill quite frequently reflecting on what I'd been doing almost daily depending on the weather and it was a beautiful view um, rolling hills down from the loch up back up over the hills again stunning landscape really flowing for your thoughts and um, I really appreciated just how much John M put input into me as a person um, we spent a lot of time together he helped me learn a bit of Gaelic and we went fishing together Anyway, back to the reflection. And I'd been reading this poem and I just loved the thought of it not being boundaried. I mean, Crofts don't, they have a boundary, but it's not, it's not a hedgerow boundary. It's less boundaried than most boundaries. And I just sat there and just reflected on just how everything was interconnected. And did it matter? You know, the landscape's very different in terms of, there wasn't much difference between one croft and the next, despite this fence boundary. And it really helped me understand that you can just go wherever and nature is for, for you. And that's it for now from Natasha. We'll come back to her in further editions. Right, let's move on now to two new voices. These are young people. They are Angus D. Burdett and Lily Headley. I've known these two people for a number of years. They have been very passionate about food from what seems to be a young age. And we've worked together with them in Harden on a number of amazing supper clubs where they bring real verve and sparkle and commitment to what they do. We've also sold their Bridge Lodge wild garlic products in our shops for, I suppose, three or four years now. And now I am holding their book, which is called our Isles, poems celebrating the art of rural trades and traditions. And it's a really lovely thing, actually. It has poems by Angus and it has, um, look, you can hear me um, opening it there, maybe, if this recording is good enough. And it has um, lino cuttings by Lily. It's published on Pavilion Books. And they live by the River Dee, not far from us in North Wales. And this is Angus and Lily introducing themselves. Hello, I'm Angus. I'm an author, writer, photographer, poet and food producer. I'd probably describe myself as one of those people who is a jack of all trades, yet yeah, master of none, if you like. I write and photograph mainly on food and drink, nature, heritage and craft in the British Isles. Hi, I'm Lily, and I'm an artist and printmaker, and I work mainly inspired by the countryside, nature, and uh, British heritage. 
A little under a year ago now, um, we founded the creative project called Our Isles, which is a project that explores the artistry of rural life in the British Isles. Now, under just a year ago, um, the project has evolved from being just our portfolio of work um, into a book and an online journal called Stories Within Our Isles. Um, That's where we kind of invite other artists and people who are inspired by the rural and natural environment as much as we are to share and promote their work um, to a growing audience. And we particularly like to share young and up and coming people um, who are inspired by the countryside because we're both quite young ourselves. um, We really like to promote other young voices um, so that young people can be heard and given a platform to talk about and explore rural life through their point of view. As you may remember, I've, I've tried to get to the root of what it is that my guests enjoy about being outdoors, what it is that sort of drives them to being outdoors, as opposed to being indoors. These are very different places and states to occupy. So I ask Angus and Lily what they really love about being outdoors. We've always loved being outdoors, whether it's here in Wales or when we travel through the British countryside for our work. Um, it's just so inspiring to be outside. Like My work is all really inspired by the natural environment or country life in general. So I like to get out and about as much as I can, as it gives me fresh ideas for my prints and liner cuts. So even just going for a walk down the lane and seeing songbirds and the lovely plants in the verges like cow parsley and all the beautiful grasses can give me ideas for new work. Um, These kind of things that are just part of everyday life in the countryside that can be unnoticed um, can generally be so evocative um, when I'm creating my new work. Being outdoors, um, you get to see the changes of the season and the constant transformation of nature around you. Um, I think setting up our seasonal food company, The Bridge Lodge, was a really great example of that, where we specialise in wild garlic products. And each spring we'd be out there picking wild garlic amongst the valleys of the River Dee. um, And we'd witness this amazing transformation of the landscape around us, the new life which spring kind of gave to it um it grounded us in the sense that we kind of had a great appreciation even more so of the nature around us and saw it as this amazing precious thing which needs to be respected and sustained it was kind of that was another reason why we set up the our isles project really was for for others to then learn about nature acknowledge it in some way to go to preserving it as well for the next generation to enjoy The outdoors also finds solace and inspiration for us to create artwork, as Lil said. Um, For my poetry, walking the banks of the River Dee um, or taking photographs, it's a rich tapestry of life, um, somewhere where we can constantly learn things, whether that's new wild flower, wild edible food, particular bird call, or whether when we're travelling across the British countryside, whether that's tasting a new regional food or understanding a tradition. Well, thank you very much to Angus and Lily. I will definitely be returning to them in future episodes as I have more snippets of wisdom from them. But for now, let's return to Chris Basnett, the forester that we met in episode one. 
and let him talk a little bit about being outside on nature and offices and freedom. Probably the best thing about working outdoors, obviously the weather, it's probably a lot of things people comment on. They say obviously in the summer you're so lucky to work outside, but they tend not to say that in the winter, um, for obvious reasons. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's great working outdoors. You've obviously got all the nature you can see every day, you can keep an eye on things and it's just generally a nice place to work. I mean, like I say, I couldn't imagine being stuffed up in an office for how many hours a day um, with air conditioning and whatnot. It's, I just couldn't imagine what that would be like. It's, you've got the freedom of being outdoors um, and you get on with whatever you want to do. And then finally today, we are going back to Jamie Corrie, who you may remember is of the Forge campsite and of the company Wild Bushcraft. And I wanted to ask Jamie what the place is that makes him feel the calmest, that makes him feel most at home. And this was his answer. As I said, I spent loads of time on the Scottish hills and I have a real love for them. But when I moved to, to Hampshire um, for a job down there, it was accessing the woods in the new forest that that I found the place that makes me feel the calmest and, and makes me feel at home. Um, there's something about it. There's something about the woodlands that, that makes me stop and reset and, and appreciate the natural world, um, yeah, more than ever before. Right, well, that's it for episode three of my Outdoor Voices. Thank you to all my contributors. Thank you very much to you for listening. Thank you very much to my friend, Jim Friend. Episode four will seamlessly appear on your device and I hope that you enjoy it. I'm really grateful to all of my contributors. I'm grateful to you. I'll see you soon. Thank you very much. Bye.